What's up, everybody? It's me, Editing Devin. I've been trying to get this opening bit recorded for a long time, and it hasn't been working. Here's the long short of it. Amber's mic technique was atrocious. Truly an insult to my senses. I could not edit around it because it happened with such a frequency, and unfortunately, in the middle of Amber firing on all cylinders creatively, just giving great ideas, wonderful character dynamics, truly interesting and engaging stuff. So I thought, hmm, what's the second best option if I can't edit around it, if I can't trim the fat? I could dub over my friend's lines. So, periodically throughout this episode, you will hear a... And that means I'm about to read for Amber. I think there's one bit where I have to play both Amber and myself, but you should be able to figure that out. You're a clever little sausage. So again, when you hear... Means I'm about to read for Amber, and there will be another... To let you know that section of the episode is over, and hopefully you never have to get another episode like this again, and double hopefully, you won't have to hear from me, editing Devin again. Okay, episode start now. get started today with our program tonight i just want you to know that our program tonight is being sponsored um uh, this is a bit unusual for us we have a sponsored program for you tonight um today's episode is brought to you by um the biblical god um today's episode is brought to you by god god came to us and asked us um if we could sponsor if 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 they in you know their 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 almighty holiness could sponsor an episode um and we said yes absolutely um, they're paying us uh, 18 bucks for this, which is more than any other sponsor that we've ever had before. So um, expect some really high quality uh, podcasting, but we will need to occasionally um, interrupt the podcast for like an ad break for, um, again, um, uh, God. Uh, I hope that's okay. I didn't run that by Devin at all. I just am announcing it here. I hope that's cool with you, Devin. You got 18 bucks? I got 18 bucks out of this. That burning bush just told me to free the Hebrews. I'm doing this pro bono. <laughs> well, that it should teach you to be a better businessman, frankly. It started out just wanting it to be pro bono, and I was like, you got anything for me there? Um, and I got 18 bucks out of it. So I <laughs> learned to negotiate is basically do what Donald Trump told us all to do. Hey, Jesus, could you <laughs> grease the wheel? <laughs> I feel like we really we really took a long time in this podcast. I like just edited the Doctor Who one the other day, and we talked about how we hadn't been talking enough about the Nazis. So we started this out, and I'm apparently just like Donald Trump. Let's go, order the deal. Bring us back to our. I mean, back to our roots. It's very appropriate for the subject matter. When they read the thing, they know we're gonna do super villains. Remember when the autobiography of Lex Luthor was just the art of the deal? I remember. I remember that. Damn, is that true? Fuck. That's true. I think Young Justice season outsiders. It's so weird to have Lex Luthor be a Trump stand-in and say Trump lines, but also still be Lex Luthor. Because the thing about Lex Luthor is he's like a smart person. And Donald Trump is like a fucking idiot. It makes sense to me that that happened. Um, you're right. I think Lex Luthor probably not a perfect analogy, but we've been using we've been doing Trump analogies for decades. Flash cut to an episode of The Simpsons. Exactly. I meant to say Sesame Street, but Simpsons came out. I'm sorry, audience. We're a bad podcast. Speaking of the podcast, this one in question. <laughs> Devin, I have a question. What's Devin, the question? what's this podcast Answer. that we're on? Uh, it's called Behind the Bastards, a podcast where in every week we tell you the worst things about everyone from history you didn't already know about. And today we're going to be talking You've about... You've done this joke. Get a new joke. We're going to be talking joke. about Boo. Osama Bin Laden's spicy fan fiction and his love affair with Tom and Jerry. That's what we're talking about, class. Take out your notes, okay? Is ev- Does everyone have them? Everybody have your pen and pencil? Huh? <laughs> Okay. I think listening to this podcast is just listening to Devin pretend to be behind the bastards, <laughs> a show that I have never listened to in my life. No, I pretend that this is Tabletops and Tantrums, my up-and-coming real play show that's definitely going to come out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Can't wait for it. Everyone look forward to it. That's Tabletops and Tantrums, wherever you get your podcasts. 
But speaking of podcasts, this one is original podcast Do Not Steal, a podcast wherein every week my wonderful co-host Amber Autumn and I discuss at length your favorite intellectual properties, medias, books, short stories, concept albums, mostly TV, and we make an original character within that space. And today, I have to start by asking a question so that you feel like we're people. And so my question today, Amber, when I went over this in my head, was very long. And I went, Jesus Christ, Devin, you ask questions like Glenn Greenwald, an asshole who can go fuck himself. Shorten this up. So, Amber, here's the long short of it. I've been making OCs for quite a long time. I don't think you do it outside of this podcast. Do any of those OCs stick with you? Do you think about them after we're done recording? Or do you just abandon your children in the trash? Um, I mean, it depends. Like, some of them stick around with me more than others. Um, obviously, um, none of us will ever forget, forget Chip until the day that we die. I'm gonna carry Chip with me uh, to the fucking grave and probably beyond. Chip will outlive us. Um, and I don't know. There's, there's a few that I think about. I think about our Dark Universe uh, uh, collection pretty often. I really like that episode. I really like the way that we went with it. I think the story that we told is really compelling and would be an exciting direction for the real franchise to go. And to me, the most exciting part of the podcast isn't actually the end result. It's the fucking around and making dumb jokes with my friend and talking about media that we like. Um... So I guess I would say the answer is occasionally. How many of them do you hold on to? Almost none of them, which is, I think a lot of it has to do with the time you spend with an OC, at least for me, there is a direct correlation to what I'm currently watching, except for the My Hero OCs. We'll get to that episode one day, but they, they pop in my head a lot, but currently I'm watching fantasy not fantasy i just dimension 20 in general so a lot of those ocs are popping around my head and like we've done a gilmore girls episode and i've never watched gilmore girls and like right quest for camelot and trigon were both things i revisited so we could do a podcast about them so i haven't had a need to go back to them so not often i do think right. chip the most because we turned chip, him into obviously a <laughs> Love you, Chip. You're the best. Love you, Chip. Chip is the official OC of the original podcast, Do Not Steal podcast. He is the lasting legacy we will leave behind. <laughs> I will scream eternal with the ancients, standing beside death, despair, desire, delirium, destruction, as the third child of the endless. Shout out to you, Neil Gaiman. Wow! Fucking Chip and Bunt Jackson. I don't think I've ever laughed as hard on this podcast as I did about Bunt Jackson. <laughs> oh, God. I, God, if you hate that episode and now we're doing the bit again, because it is, it's the same bit. It's just the name Bunt Jackson. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, on this week's episode of Original Podcast Do Not Steal, we're not going to be making a dumb, silly little guy. We're going to be making like a super fucking serious team of super villains who are up to no good. And it's going to be really, really serious and edgy, guys, because it's DC. And th that's what we are doing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I imagine this episode can be a lot of me talking. I'll, I guess I'll shoot the rough concept and then I'll let you go. So, here's the thing. I am a nerd who's been reading what? comics for forever. And I think if you've ever read comics, you've daydreamed about making them what you do with these specific characters. So I know what my Justice League looks like. I know what my Legion of Doom looks like because it's deeply tied into what my Justice League looks like. I know what my Suicide Squad looks like. I know what my Secret Six looks like. I don't know what any of those look like with the curveball of my dear friend Amber Autumn's taste. And that's why I'm interested in doing this episode wherein Amber and I make our own DC supervillain group mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Amber, do you want to talk for a bit? Yeah, this will be a Devin talking episode, I imagine, so I'll try to get out what I can in the beginning. To preference, this is one where Devin and I do have a history. I've read 
some comics, the level of comics reader I am is that I seem like I know things about comics when I'm talking to people who don't read comics. If I'm in a room with someone who actually reads comics like you or Noah, it becomes comically obvious how little I actually know. And there are just a few trades I really care about. And moreover, I tend to be more of a Marvel girl, where you tend to be more of a DC girl. You still know more about Marvel than me, but I have some familiarity with the Spider-Man runs, and DC is a little more outside of my wheelhouse. In high school, we did a we did do a an RPG campaign. We did a tabletop game that was superhero themed. That was we were a team of supervillains set in the DC universe um, or the DC multiverse, I guess, as it, as it were. Um, so uh, like we a little bit have some, some historical backing with this concept already. I'm going to try not to retread those characters. Uh, I think this is going to be an original concept. I just would have felt weird if I didn't bring it up because it's so relevant. Like, Oh, this thing that we did in high school, let's do it again. See what it looks like when we're grownups doing it. Um, and also it's just the two of us instead of getting like a whole group together about it. Oh, that'd be fun. I actually kind of want to do that now. See how many of our old group we can get back together and see how we'd revisit those concepts. Yeah, I think um, I think a couple people would be more into it. I think Ellie would be... I think we would be able to convince her to come on for that. Um, I do not think that we would, for example, be able to get the one who played Jean, who I don't like anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but we could we could certainly get like some some percentage of that group together again. That would be fun. But we're doing a different thing today. We're making so are you imagining this as an um like a like you were talking earlier about riffing your like your idea of what your suicide squad would look like or your Justice League Dark or whatever. Um uh is are are you looking at doing an interpretation of one of those or are we creating an original team of supervillains? I was thinking this would be our riff on, like, a Task Force X, and then we could, like, splurf in an OC that's, like, truly our own thing. But, yeah, I, I'm more okay. interested in taking a bunch of villains, throwing them into a pot, and seeing what we come out of, as opposed to doing the Kim Possible episode again, but set in DC. So, uh, I love that concept. I don't know what Task Force X is, and I don't necessarily know that i am going to know enough dc villains in order to have a lot of interesting takes on this but i will pull out who i can um which is to say what like a handful of batman villains um obviously the the flash rogues gallery but um that's almost that's almost cheating to bring in more than maybe one of those tops and you do have the caveat of going devin this is a villain i'm vaguely familiar with can you explain them and i have a take that's true. You pretty much no matter who it is. Hey, Devin, do you know anything about the Creeper? We did a whole episode on it. A whole episode on my favorite superhero of all time. I know more than anyone, probably. I think, like, not to be rude and insulting to people who actually write comics, but not to be, like, a shitty fan, but I think I know more about the Creeper than most people who end up writing for the Creeper. It's fine. But, yeah, and also food for th just a little bit of homework Task Force X is just the legal government name of the Suicide Squad. It's what Amanda Walt, like the official name. Oh, okay. Suicide cool. Squad's just the name they call themselves because they know what they know what the game is. Right. Okay. And or it's what you call them when they have to show up on the DCAU, which is mostly for kids because you can't have a group called the Suicide Squad in your Saturday morning cartoon show. Or you can, but it would not go over well. No, it wouldn't. That's why episode of Justice League Unlimited is called Task Force X, and it's got it's just the Suicide Squad. Uh, two, two characters even die, but they couldn't call it Suicide Squad. It's why it's why in Teen Titans they don't call him Deathstroke; they call him Slade because the censors were like, "I don't know about this Deathstroke name." Yeah, he can mentally torture a child. That's fine, but uh, Deathstroke. Hmm. What if we call him Slade? Okay, so knowing that we're doing a Suicide Squad is helpful to me um, because I have seen the movies. Um, I have seen both of the two movies and have a sense of what that means. I just want to say in advance, we got Suicide Squad 2017 and then we got The Suicide Squad 2021. So I think our movie should be Ah Suicide Squad. <laughs>
I'm just getting that one out early. Um, and now that I've said that, um, I would love to hear you talk a little bit. Tell me about what excites you. Uh, I don't know. You go. I guess we are doing a Suicide Squad one because I was just pulling names out of my head. If Yeah, we can do a Suicide Squad one. That sounds fine to me. Are we doing a Suicide Squad movie then? If it is the Suicide Squad, James Gunn Suicide Squad, and now a Suicide Squad? No, stick with comics. Okay, stick that's with what, that's, comics. That's what you're excited about doing. Let's do that. Yes, I am, because I'm not going to... Oh, I, I felt it rising in my stomach to complain about James Gunn's take on Vigilante, but it's bad, and that's the end of it. I, I knew you were good. I, I like... I like as I was saying the Suicide Squad. I was like, Devin has a Devin wants to complain about Vigilante. I, I know it. I will do a Peacemaker episode, maybe. It's, I can complain about it a different time. Um, what? Okay, well, the thing that appeals to me about Suicide Squad more than the political intrigue is that Suicide Squad is a book where editors won't care, and so you can take I don't know, Kite Man. And you can find the ethos and the heart to Kite Man. I don't give a shit when Count Vertigo shows up. And then I read Suicide Squad. And I love Count Vertigo. And it's not always that take, but I now have a version of Count Vertigo that I like. So if we're doing specifically Suicide Squad, that's what I like about it. I like that you can take Sportsmaster. Spoilers. Sportsmaster is 100% on my Suicide Squad team. He's... Totally. I, my favorite thing about comics is every character who has ever existed in a mainstream superhero American comic book is one writer away from having a great run where every nerd goes, yeah, no, I get it. Like, I get, like, there's a reason to care about Condiment King. And it's in Gerard Way's run. So that's what interests me more than even, like, the dark tone, the big political stuff, the heavy themes. Like, just getting to fuck around with Dr. Light and making him interesting, that's cool to me. Sorry, I'm Googling um, obscure DC supervillains. <laughs> Tattooed Man is just cool. What is this article talking about? That's just that's just cool as fuck. Yeah, but he's obscure. Most people don't know. Like, if I if I sat you down before you Googled that, would you know who Tattoo Man is? No fucking way. Absolutely not. Exactly. Or, like, fucking, um... I don't know, I'm thinking Outsiders characters, but... I I'm gonna assume you don't know Black Lightning has two kids. One of them's a lesbian. I don't even know who Black Lightning is. See, there we go. I, <laughs> I'm i going to guess you don't know Metamorpho or Lady Metamorpho. <laughs> oh, Devin, I would say that I've had a couple of extremely intimate encounters with Lady Metamorpho. Bane Lady Metamorpho would be crazy. That would be so nuts. Oh, if you want a stupid villain, fucking Vegetable Animal Mineral Man. I actually got. I actually saw that on the list. That was on. That was on, that was the first entry on the on the first list that comes up when you Google obscure DC villains. I fucking love you, vegetable animal mineral man. You rule. Don't never change. You're great. Oh, Amber, fucking. You know. Okay. You know what one we have to do? Like us specifically, we really have to throw on our Suicide Squad team. It's Snowflame. Snowflame! I forgot he's DC. This is so exciting. Abso-fucking-lutely Snowflame is on the team. Snowflame recently made a comeback. <laughs> no fucking way. Shut the fuck up. Fuck you. What do you mean Snowflame made a- Okay, so let me explain to our listeners what Snowflame the deal is. He's a guy whose superpower is that he does cocaine. And then it gives him superpowers. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing. Does it even give him superpowers? Does he even have superpowers? Or is he just really high and energetic? It's, you know, the generic advanced agility, super human strength, hubba-derba-derp. I think he had, like, an icy fire blast. It, it definitely makes his eyes glow with white flame. Okay, well, there's something at least lightly supernatural about Snowflame's cocaine. But the important thing is that he just does cocaine and then shouts, Snowflame! And sorry about everyone's ears. And it's funny. And so we, and so they did a joke about it on a top the fourth wall like a decade ago. And then it, be, and then it became a localized joke. And now we, we got to put Snowflame in our team. <laughs> okay, so we've got, we've got Snowflame. As our nobody joke, I'm going to make a pick real quick. 
and they are not a villain. And everyone who remembers that six-issue run will point to me and go, Devin, that's not a villain. But I will reply, screw you, alternate version. And I want to have the heckler on my team because he's got one of my favorite costumes and he only ever existed for six issues. And then one issue of Justice League Unlimited where he has a non-speaking cameo. He's just got a cool costume and his gimmick is he's Bugs Bunny but exists in a superhero universe. And I'm not going to get into his six issue thing. It was like a weird satirical Looney Tunes thing. But yeah, just take the heckler and put him on Suicide Squad and I'd be happy. It's weird looking through the, like, some of these, like, like, Ratcatcher is on this list. Like, Ratcatcher's been in a movie now. Like, he's not, people know him now. Sort of, kind of. They know Ratcatcher Third, who is an invention of James Gunn. There's only one Ratcatcher in comics, and he's a loser. So, the thing about Suicide Squad is it isn't just made of losers. We do have to have competent people, and... I also think having at least one of the main, at least one or two of the mainstays of Suicide Squad, that's pretty like, if you're reading a Suicide Squad book and Deadshot's not there, I am going to go, where the fuck is Floyd Lawton? Where is he? So do you have any competent hero picks you'd like to see in villain picks? I'm scrolling through, hold on. So I, really quick, am going to make a rule for myself that I can only have one member of Secret Six because there's a strong need in my body to just pick everyone from Secret Six and have more stories with them. So for my own sake, I'm only going to do one, and my one pick is Scandal Savage, because goddammit, I love Scandal Savage. She doesn't get to show up enough, doesn't get enough love whenever Cassandra Savage shows up in a property. I'm like, you should have been Scandal. That's who you should have been. Damn it. So what... Are there any questions I could answer that would help you, like, point your decision in a direction? Like, a, a list of people to choose between. Like, it genuinely is, like, unknown unknowns. Like, I don't know the obscure DC villains, you know, to choose between. Well, that's what interests me. What interests you about making a Suicide Squad? I think... As Suicide Squad is interesting because you get to have a lot of characters in conflict with each other having to stay in contact. Truly, truly, you get to have two characters who hate each other, but there's only one bed type of a situation, you know? Like... To you who have played RPGs with me and RPGs that I have run, it will not come as any particular surprise to you that I have an affinity for stories where you have one character that the rest of the group fucking hates but needs to keep them around. And the Suicide Squad is like a whole team where you can do that. The characters have to stick together and they have like this external main goal that they need to be pursuing um, upon threat of death. And then through that, like, third external goal, you get to really play around in character conflict in a way that... I don't know, it gives you an excuse to have the characters not just, like, walk away from each other, you know what I mean? Um, So I think, yeah, just, like, the fact that every single story, like, in that way is almost like a bottle episode, right? You have these characters who are stuck together with each other. Yeah, when you read Larry Hama's G.I. Joe, it's a lot more fun when you go to Cobra, because Cobra get to be messy bitches and hate each other, and G.I. Joes will sort of get along. So are we suggesting that I, like, choose some characters who, like, are large enough that I would kind of know them? Yeah, you can do that. Shit, okay, fuck. Okay, who do I know? Um, I know rogues, I know Batman villains, and a couple of Supermans. That's what I'm working with here. Although the Superman villains are probably a little bit of, out of power range. Oh, and I know a couple of Green Lantern villains. Maybe I do know DC characters. Maybe I know things. Oh, it's it's so hard to not just be like, oh, do you know this? Because you're on a roll, and I don't want to do that. But there's a part of No, do really it. To... Oh, I was just going to be like, do you know Emerald Empress, one of the classic Legion of Superhero villains? Oh, I'd love a Legion of Superhero villain to be stuck doing shit with the... Su- oh, fuck, and I'm picking Emerald Empress, she's on. I'm writing that one down. Mostly because I, oh god, I just love the idea of a mem- of a legion of superhero villain being stuck in the past and just constantly complaining about it. Particularly if they're with the fucking Suicide Squad. But like, yeah, you can just 
do what you already know. Who uh, so out of the Batman, the Green Lantern, the Rogues, which uh, which of those immediately stick out into your brain the most, and you want to take, you want to futz around with? Gorilla Grodd. I don't know. Maybe part of that is just the understanding that I already have, having seen two Suicide Squad movies, and you get. Just having an Anawe by virtue of a big fucking guy. Although Gorilla Grodd is really smart, so it also doesn't make a lot of sense to have him on the team, so maybe never mind. Well, if you want a big fucking dude as a Flash Rogue, there's Tar Pit. I'm Googling it. The character has been called a Clayface knockoff. That sounds perfect, actually. I would love to take a character who is often derisively called a knockoff of another character and then turn them interesting. Here's a follow-up to that. What if we have both Clayface and Tarpit on the team, and it is through the presence of both of them that, hmm, well... Part of it is that it's a joke of these are kind of the same character, but then it is by that that you get to reveal the ways in which they are interestingly different, and it gives them a chance to conflict over the ways in which they are the same. Does that make sense as a as a as a route? Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay, we're so my list does it currently exist. Yes! Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, I got two. I am killing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing great. We have The Heckler, Scandal Savage, Sportsmaster, Emerald Empress, Tar Pit, Clayface. I'm Google. I'm like I have to be Googling. Hey, wait, instead of me just Googling them and reading them to myself, hey Devin, do you want to give us like a like a fifteen second pitch of who each of these people are? Yeah, I, I was waiting for like the whole team to be done. Are, are we done with the whole team? Because we do need like the, the Suicide Squad mainstay before I feel comfortable calling that a team. But I can just run through these guys. Oh, we need a okay. Who are the who are the mainstays to pick between? When people close their eyes and think Suicide Squad, they think Deadshot. They think Bronze Tiger. Count Vertigo, Captain Boomerang, and, oh, I can't remember, and Frostbite. Those are kind of, like, very consistent. You show up in the squad a lot. If you're going to read a Suicide Squawk, Deadshot's kind of contractually obligated to be there to the point where I'm like, yeah, De- Deadshot's here, of course, no shit. So I'm just going to throw in a freebie of Deadshot. Okay, I don't know any of the characters that you listed there, basically. Um, Like, I have a rough, vague awareness of who Deadshot is, and I'm kind of bored by it, and I also have a vague idea of who Captain Boomerang is, and would be okay with that, but I have no idea, like, who Bronze Tiger is. Okay, so, real quick, Bronze Tiger is black man who do kung fu, and he's morally conflicted about the fact that he has lost track of his no-kill code, and he is tortured by his more violent actions, but he is constantly put on the Suicide Squad, so he has no choice but to indulge in them whilst trying to retain his humanity. He's pretty rad. That's pretty fun. My brain froze. (laughs) I don't remember the other ones you said. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say Count Vertigo, his thing was handled so well, I don't even, like, you don't ever need to do it again. It was perfect. Uh, Killer Frost is a Frost villain who's kind of a hothead, and that's always been the fun thing about her, is despite her frost power, she's kind of a hothead. Cute. Harley Quinn has recently become, like, a very... If a Suicide Squad thing happens, she's going to be in it. I mean, we love Harley Quinn, but that almost feels played out at this point. A little bit. But yeah, uh, Deadshot and there, I think... I think we can do without Digger. We can do without Captain Boomerang for a little bit, and having, um... Having Bronze Tiger there gives us like a like a moral center, a Rick Flag. It definitely figure. sounds like Bronze Tiger is the one we're most excited about here. Yeah, so I'm gonna write Bronze Tiger. Thank you for taking notes. <laughs> yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we have seven members. I don't immediately see which one of these I want to die. Do you want to just like pick out some ones who just die, who are just there for an issue, and then pff, their head explodes? Why don't you right now take us through the characters who are there, and maybe I'll be like, kill this one, and maybe I will just pick someone else to just die. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go through the list with a brief summation of who they are. The Heckler 
is Bugs Bunny, but if he was a superhero and he's got one of my favorite costumes and his thing is he just heckles his villains and to stop doing crime. Scandal Savage is the daughter That's of... great. That's so fucking good. That's so fucking good. Hey, you remember What's Up, Doc, 1972? No, I don't. You should watch What's Up, Doc, 1972. It's a great time. It's what if Bugs Bunny was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a, it's a live-action screwball comedy, and it's clearly... Like it, it's a, it's a Looney Tunes cartoon, but in but with different characters in live action. All right, cool. Hell yeah, Scandal Savage is the daughter of Vandal Savage, who is tired of her dad's dictator nonsense, who just wants to forge out her own legacy and lead her own life, where she can just have her happy polyamorous marriage with her two girlfriends. But it never gets to work out quite like that because comic books. Um, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, Amber. Which part? You fucking know. You fucking know what part, Devin. No, Amber. Be specific. What part? Be specific. Also, she did show up, I remember, in in, in the campaign that we played. Um, the yeah. aforementioned DC campaign. You did have her show up. I was uh, very excited. Most, a lot of you that. You were very excited that we got to have Scandal there. A lot of that campaign was me being like, and then they're going to meet Clue Master. And then you met Clue Master, <laughs> and you all went, cool. And I went, god damn it. Fucking I... <laughs> Because we're not all as much of comic nerds as you are. Yeah, it's... I mean, I was young. If you're going to use the, like, character shows up and you, the DM, are the only one who's excited, that eventually has to build to a character that they all know and will be excited about because you've anti-built it. Because they assume it's just going to be another fucking clue master. And then you did, I don't know, Lex Luthor. People know who he is. But yeah, Scandal Savage, she's a lesbian. Her girlfriend knockout dies very early on. It's a big thing. She finds another girlfriend who she meets because her friends try to cheer her up and they take her to a supervillain themed strip club and she meets a girl who is dressed up as knockout. And then eventually they go to Jesus. hell and they get knockout back. And knockout's like, no, I'm super down. I'm, I'm super down with the fact that you have a girlfriend. And Scandal's like, do you all want to get married? And they're like, hell yeah, that sounds fucking rad. Oh my God. So we've got Sportsmaster, who is a knockoff Slade. He is a Casey Jones, where his gimmick is all of his offense is sports-based, and he's got a really cool mask when you look at the Young Justice version of him, and he cares mostly about his reputation and not the family that he has. I was bored right up until the end there, and then I was like, oh, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. We have Emerald Empress, who is not a character I'm super excited about i think we'd just do our own version of an emerald empress because i like her power set and that she has this giant floating eyeball orb that shoots green energy blasts at you and it's just a cool costume and a neat aesthetic and i think we have our own take on this one we have tarpit and clayface who you picked deadshot who i'm pretty sure familiar with bronze tiger who have explained we didn't do a like our own our own OC villain, which we could do if you'd like that. And also, are you feeling like killing any of these people immediately? Okay, so yeah, you brought that up earlier, and um, that's also like uh, is that like a a, a a staple of the of the book? Is that like at the beginning of every run, you like kill a couple people right away? Not at the beginning, but. If you're writing Suicide Squad for a long time, it will be a recurring cast because some people just get enough jobs done that they get to leave. And sometimes people die. Rick Flagg dies. He famously dies in the comics and he never comes back. That's great. That rules. I love it when a character doesn't come back. Here's a picture of Vigilante who doesn't come back because he dies at the end of his series. And I can never see the James Gunn incarnation taking that same path because God damn it, James, just make it wild, dog. It's way closer to what you made. Adrian Chase is never going to get to show up again. Why? I, ah. It's a shame that the comics don't exist anymore now, too. Oh, yeah, that really sucks. It really sucks. It's <laughs> terrible. It's terrible that I'm not reading them right now. You know, I hate it. Listen, I'm a different person, and this anger is mostly because I think it's entertaining for a show. And I'll only really be upset if they bring back Adrian Chase in the comics and he acts like the James Gunn version because then the version I like will have been supplanted by this version that is not as good as the original one. It's like, if you like old Star-Lord, Star-Lord who exists before the Guardians movies, you're probably upset that the new Star Wars in 616 
is just the Chris Pratt version. I'd be upset, but I didn't care about Star-Lord. I didn't care about Peter Quill before I saw the movie. So, you know, I get where it's coming from. Devin, I have a real quick logistical question. Yeah, go um, for it. Uh, because I'm looking through the DC fandom wiki for supervillains and stuff. Um, and they all have which universe they're from next to them. Which are Is it Prime Earth? Earth with a number next to it? Or what? What are we looking for here? What's what what universe are we running around in right now? Do you want me to like just pick a universe we're running around in or do you want me to explain those to you? I mean, what yeah, which <laughs> Oh, Amber, you sweet summer child, please stop talking because I'm about to do a lot of it. Let me introduce you to a concept called hypertime, something that was introduced in the crossover event Zero Hour, and the idea that it predisposed was that think of continuity, think of time like a river, one flowing stream, yes? And all of the continuity hiccups, all of the Elseworlds tales, all of those little inconsistencies that nerds, fans, and editors would notice, those are all branching off, little streams that go away from the main course, and they will eventually flow back into themselves in the main timeline. That was my favorite explanation of all this nonsense, and it was to say, it'll fix itself, don't worry about it. I don't know if it's canon anymore, but when talking about the greater whole of DC's multiverse, we need to understand that there is a pre-crisis where there were no rules on the multiverse and it was all too big and complicated to understand, so then we have Crisis on Infinite Earths to consolidate all of those into one universe. Spoilers! they didn't keep it around for a long time. I mean, the post-crisis continuity happens for a while, but the idea that we're going to have a tight grip on the multiverse, no, that went out of the way immediately. So the post-crisis era is the one I'm familiar with. It's the one I know a lot. But even after that, there becomes New 52 and Dark Metal. And I'm pretty sure they just reconsolidated the universe again because it's DC. <laughs> but yes, we're going to be operating in the post-crisis era where there is a firmer grip on the multiverse at least one that i have and then earth prime in that setting is our earth it's where superboy prime comes from he goes to comic book shops he complains on forums toxic fan shit earth one is the continuity that we follow and we operate out of earth two is perpetually the golden age it's where the jsa come from baby earth three is the inverse earth where all the heroes are villains and villains are heroes it's where the crime syndicate hails so on and so forth ignosium some of them don't even have numbers they have letters like earth x where the nazis won and uncle sam and the freedom fighters are perpetually in a battle for the heart of the world and that is all a lot of things that now that i'm saying them out loud i don't know that you need to know earth one that's that's the world we're going to be futzing around in. Got it. In which case, please uh, hold for a couple of clips while I click around. Oh, no, you had something. Go. Do you want to do you want? I kind of want Psycho Pirate just because I love Psycho. OK, do you know anything about Psycho Pirate? I have literally never heard the name before. OK, so Psycho Pirate is an emotional vampire and he's an empath, but not in the sense where it's like, I feel what you're feeling. He can make you feel whatever he wants you to be feeling at this moment. That's hot. There was a whole thing where Bane, in order to get off his crippling addiction to Venom, just kept Psycho Pirate around, and he was constantly like, Psycho Pirate, tell me I feel okay without the Venom, and he was like, you got it, boss! <laughs> um, that's like a really, really powerful, like that, like that's a, that's a, that's a Purple Man type deal, where it's like a power set that like sounds a little bit innocuous, but like, the second you think about it for a minute, um, is absolutely just like the most terrifying shit in the world. Yeah. I think you do psycho. I think Psycho Pirate's here to die. I think he's there for a few issues, and then it becomes very clear after like three missions, like, oh, I'm operating with like back alley villains, and I can rule the world. And then Amanda Waller hits the button, and his head explodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm gonna put Psycho Pirate dead. All right, I have found an obs an obscure character called Executrix, who's a femme finale. Femme Fatale, who was in a couple of comics in the 80s, and and never again since. Right. Um, so that's a that's an obscure character we could go with. I'm just, like, clicking at some real obscure characters. I want her to be dating Electrocutioner, and then Electrocutioner die. Electrocutioner's here to die, but I want them to be in a relationship, and she has to deal with it. Okay, so are we saying that we want to have Executrix there and then and then keep her? 
um, yeah, but and turn her into something. Okay. Dies. Okay. Electrocutioner dies. There's very little in this article explaining who this character is, which is part of the fun, I think. Like, truly, first appearance in Detective Comics 523 in February of 1983, and last appearance in April of 1985, a span of barely two years. Abilities, martial arts, firearms, stealth tracking. So one of those, like no powers characters who's just who's just a mercenary assassin and she's called executrix and that's really all that we have for this character which is great because she's a pre-existing character in the world but we get to like do stuff with her throw her on the list she's on it perfect so we have a list here do we want to come up with unique twists on every one of these characters or do we want to say that's our suicide squad or do we want to come up with a rough dynamic for the group i at the very least want to come up with what to decide what our take on electrocutrix is she's so blank what do we do with her yeah i think i'd like to come up with a the rough dynamic and if a specific character sticks out in your mind with a thing you'd like to do because if i was listening to a podcast and it just ended with that's the list i'd be like ah fucking shit sucks right agreed so okay yeah, yeah, yeah. um what about you what are, what are you feeling which would you like to do i know we're doing electrocutionics but of those directions for like the group as a whole what are you feeling so this is obviously an, an already pretty heavily explored idea in comics, but I think there's a little bit of a theme line running through a lot of these about um, characters grappling with their sense of identity in terms of like... Clayface and Tarpit trying to negotiate who they are relative to one another. Electrocutrix trying to figure out who she is in the wake of her partner's death. Just there's a few things here about characters trying to figure out who they are in relationship to others, which I think is both interesting and we could lean into that. All right. So I. Okay. So yeah, yeah you no, go. go. Okay, I have a take on Emerald Empress. I know what I want to do with that one if you don't have any ideas immediately. Go for it. Do it. So, so my thought with Emerald Empress is you do... Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna say the thing I say whenever I talk to my grandpa. I'm going to say a lot of words, and you might not get them all, but I'll try my best to explain along the way. So I think with Emerald Empress, I would do a Dr. Fate thing. Now, the thing about Dr. Fate is who is... Under the helmet doesn't matter because once you put the helmet on, you are possessed by the spirit of Nabu. Dr. Fate takes control of your body and does whatever he wants. I think with this version of Emerald Empress, you find out that the orb does that more or less. So this version of Emerald Empress is just some random Joe Smo who was picked off the street. Just a random woman who now occasionally gets imbued with emerald superpowers and has like flashes of memory from the future so like there's a lot of identity wrapped up in like like i hate this thing it sucks but man it feels good to be a super villain with cosmic powers and to be a threat it's like i get to exert control over the world without having control over my own life and it's weird and complicated and i don't know what to do with it yeah that works i'm good for that Okay, tell me the name of, like, Electrocutor or what, what, what's that character's name one more time? The Electrocutioner. Okay, thank you. And do you have a take on that character other than dies quickly? I could come up one if pressed for it, I think. You don't need to. I might have one if you don't. Okay, yeah, then I'm curious what yours is. Okay, let me give you this pitch. Um, uh, I already observed earlier that this is a set of characters who are maybe trying to uh, find uh, identities within, like, their relations in the groups, and I don't necessarily want to, like, do a big detailed take on every single character here, um, but as far as group dynamic, here's my thought. It seems to me that Bronze Tiger is the, like, obvious implicit leader of this group. It seems to me that Bronze Tiger is, like, the one who just, like, around this group naturally wants to be in the leading role. Which is why I think maybe it's interesting if we say that Bronze Tiger 
um, uh, is really making an intentional effort not to fill in that role. And so um, in the like sort of vacuum that's left by that space, the next person that everybody turns to in order to be the leader is the electrocutioner. Um, and so when you have this character die, like you, like you really set this character up to be like, like, like the protagonist, you pull a Ned Stark with it. Uh, you give the character like main character point of view energy. You give him like the thought bubbles, right? Um, uh, you tell the story from his perspective for the first, like maybe the first couple of issues before he dies. Um, and then much of the rest of the story, like probably that death happens like mid mission, right? When they're somewhere dangerous, far away from everybody. And the characters have like just started to get into a position where they're comfortable with that. And much of the story that fans out from that is in the aftershock of that. So you have, you have Executrix um, dealing with that on a personal level and um, uh, definitely not wanting to listen to anyone else who wants to take that place. You have um, Bronze Tiger, who like is the next person who intuitively feels like they want to be the person in the lead role. <laughs> having to like be the person to really downplay that you have emerald empress who is probably the most high powered of the group but doesn't necessarily know how to deal with that yet so maybe could make a bid for leadership but doesn't have the social standing in the group to pull that off clayface and tarpit can directly compete with each other for the position all of this gives the heckler lots of material to work with just wants to take the piss out of everyone vying for that spot i you know i could go on keep going but does that is this does that angle work yeah i like that i was because my pitch for electrocutioner was going to be some type of relationship with bronze tiger because electrocutioner's thing is he's the villain who justifies his murder with like a moral high ground i'm i'm doing a public service because these people deserve to die is his deal so couple that to bronze tiger i think it just makes a lot of sense and again he's our character to kill so not just having it be a useless death not just having it be a raise the stakes all of our characters could die but having the fallout of that be the story going forward. I love that. Yeah, it, it's 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 the Suicide Squad thing, but it's like not just a cheap kill someone for no reason uh, for shock value, etc. I also I'm just going to throw this one out there. I think the leader ends up being Scandal Savage. That's just uh, it's just what I'm going to say, because of the list of people we have here, Scandal's the most competent, and she already led Secret Six, so she knows what she's doing. It ends with Scandal getting the thing. I agree, and I think she's sort of the um, the, the, the black sheep winner, where you kind of try to make it so that people don't expect her to end up in the lead, and then she does. Yes. Yeah, that feels good. Are there any, like, specific dynamics you'd like to get into? Because we have, like, an overall vibe. But, like, yeah, just, like, do a few quick pair-offs. Sure. I think I see something with Sportsmaster and... What's the Dominatrix's one's name again? Uh, Executrix. Yeah, I see something there between those two. Because the joke of when I was like, well, if you hire yourself as an assassin, you're not good at it. But that's, that's Sportsmaster's thing. He cares about the rep, the reputation, the fact that more, more successful jobs means that his price gets to go up. And I think he could see someone struggling with that, not really knowing that side of the assassination business and kind of wanting to take her under his wing to some level. Uh, what are you feeling? And then you get to do the funny thing where it's like, he's bad with his family, but he's found someone here he can relate to and kind of be maybe a surrogate dad to. And that's just, you know, rife with dramatic irony. Yeah, that's cute. In the in the broad dynamic that we've developed here, having Psycho Pirate in there is really interesting because I think Psycho Pirate would be the first one to get into the like lead role. I think that like... Because, you know, um, emotional vampire can uh, can control people's emotions, can sort of insert himself into the leadership role. 
And I think that we... Like, make that not end up working out. The thing that ends up subverting that is the heckler. Like, the heckler is there for comic relief, but I think also that, like, being the one person there who's sort of able to not take Psycho Pirate seriously and is able to like do Bugs Bunny shit to reveal Psycho Pirate to have been a rube all this time um, is a way to like keep the character with comic relief, but also give him some, uh, uh, some dramatic weight. And I do love that definitively arguably the most powerful member gets taken out by the guy who's <laughs> the least powerful. And what a, what a great bit. He pointed out and be like, what a great bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I think that that's that's a fun little that's a fun little line we can draw. I just want to talk about Deadshot real quick. I think this Deadshot, like he like he, from the first issue, he's like, I can tell how all of this is gonna go. And Scandal having the pre-existing relationship is like, how do you know that? And he's like, because I've been on the Suicide Squad for so long. And then they have a conversation where like the panel is obscured, and then somewhere like halfway through the run you flash back to that panel and it's dead shot calling like beat for beat everything that happens <laughs> i love that because he doesn't that's... miss he doesn't miss shit yeah that's really good so you pitched doing Clayface and tar pit to highlight yeah. the, the ways that they are different do you have a take I there did tell me a little bit about Clayface, the character from your perspective so there's several clay faces in DC comics proper and none of them have ever particularly stuck out to me as being more than like a power set that's fun. The versions that have gained popularity are the first one. I want to say Mac. I don't remember off the top of my head, but his thing is he is an actor. Um, and in Batman, the animated series it's a tragedy thing, right? Because all the villains were tragedy things. And then Harley Quinn, it's a, I am a thespian! And he exists in between those two extremes. How dramatic, how common shoes do you want to do it? There's another version wherein he was a cop friend of Bruce Wayne who gets turned into Clayface by the Joker. So Joker's trying to prove the point. The only thing that separates me from normal people is one bad day and becomes a villain for a bit and then tries to redeem himself and becomes a pseudo-heroic Clayface. Those are like the two versions of Clayface that have stuck out to me as interesting and things to go, because other ones are just like, Batman, I'm made of mud. And I think the cop redemption thing, it skews close to both Electrocution and Bronze Tiger, but the actor thing does lean close to the trying to define self in relationship to everyone else. So I think both of those... Like, there's something with either one of those directions. I think the 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 actor... Yeah, the actor part is more interesting to me, and I think it fills a role in the group that no one else is really doing. Getting to have Clayface... Yeah, not just mold his body, but his sense of self and identity around whatever is needed at the moment. And I think... And I'm going to vamp real quick while you get that thought out of your head. But on a practical, like, answering, why are these, why is Harley Quinn here? Her her superpower is bat. Clayface, on an ops level, he can do espionage, right? He can get behind the scenes. He can go undercover. And he's an actor, so that's something he'd be used to. So he does feel like a, a literal plot function here that I do appreciate with this version. <laughs> Pit can't do that, right? Like, he can't disguise himself in the same way Clayface can. Nah, he's just a tar monster who can melt right. things. So the first place then that my mind wants to go is that, um, like, like, we give him substantially more physical prowess than Clayface, but also, like, very clearly an insane amount of jealousy for him. Um... 
possibly up to and including implying an amount of unacknowledged, unprocessed attraction. Like, Clayface can function in the world, not just normally, but exceptionally well in a way that Tarpit can't. And in their normal forms, they're very similar, but Tarpit's function to the group is to be a big, strong guy, right? Who can do a tar power, but I think that we can have Tar Pit like have some have some sense of like performativity as well. Maybe our version of Tar Pit is um is is a singer or uh was also an actor at some point and has like a point of connection that he can no longer utilize. <laughs> And I think that you have Tar Pit have a new set of of skills and relationships that he is completely failing to utilize because he's trying to capture the thing that Clayface has and prove that he's as good at doing those things even though the thing that he's good at doing is clearly something else. Mm, I think there's, there's a couple of interesting directions we could go here. We could either make Clayface jealous back and have them both sort of wish they were in the other one's position, give the, give Tar Pit something for, for Clayface to be envious of, or um, uh, you can go the tragedy route and have Clayface like not really think about Tar Pit at all. You give Clayface some like fully unrelated drama that he has going on, and it's like fully just like a one-way sort of pining situation. Damn, I like both of those directions, and this is another thing where like you come from the top down, I come from the top up. But I have an idea for a scene. Can I just pitch it at you, please, real quick? Please, yeah. Okay, so it would be like the the final issue where Clayface and Tar Pit are here, like they're they're gonna leave or die next issue, but it's like. The combination, right? They're finally on the same page. And Tar Pit's like, man, do you know what I miss about being human? I used to be able to play the violin. You pick some instrument. But I can't now because I have. they look like big, strong hands, don't they, right? My big monster mm -hmm. mittens. Mm -hmm. And because they can finally work together and it's a weird intimacy, like attraction type thing, Clayface says, let me be your hands. And Clayface, like, molds his body around Tarpit's hand so that he has normal human hands and he can finally play the violin again and it's just a sweet moment between these two. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I think that with that in mind, I think that I would love to go with um, Clayface being... Envious of Tarpit as well... Okay, so, okay, Tar Pit's Wikipedia entry has under abilities can project his consciousness into inanimate objects. So what I'm thinking is maybe Tar Pit... Yeah, I don't know how that's been manifested in comic books, but maybe our Tar Pit can project his consciousness to, like, experience the world around him as objects. And it's not always helpful, although maybe you could use it for spying and reconnaissance and get some, like, plot utility out of it. But I think it gives Tar Pit a sense of unity with the world around him. He gets to be a part of his environment in this extremely physical way. And while that's happening, his physical body like seeps into the ground and cracks around him as a way of representing that visually. And that's the thing Clayface wishes he had. Tar Pit exists in unity with the world around him in a way Clayface never could. And so, yeah, you have this lovely moment at the end when both of them who've been harboring this jealousy and hatred towards each other get to come together and help each other with, with something that Clayface can... ...play the violin for Tar Pit and that um, uh, Tar Pit can help Clayface to like experience the violin like maybe like through the act of touch or like or like just through through that amount of intimacy Clayface gets to like have access to that and they get to they get to give each other something yeah they're both 
looking at each other and Clayface is singing a part of your world and Tarpit <laughs> is singing somewhere out there and the heckler's like, you guys are singing the same song, man. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. I think that's a great dynamic. I'm so glad we worked that out. Yeah, me too. Are there any other... Di- I feel like... I can't explain why, but I feel like I want to get at least one other dynamic out of here before we leave. Totally, totally. I'm fine with that. Getting a real sense of this Suicide Squad. So, I think I want to, like, make it specific to Scandal Savage and Emerald Empress, but I also feel like if we've, we're making a group wherein people are trying to define themselves in relation to other people... No one's going to know how to do that better than Scandal Savage, who, despite going her own way, still carries her dad's last name, right? So it, again, would make sense that she's the leader. But I feel like she really helps Emerald Empress come out into her own and sort of master the power she has in her own way and define in her own way to be the Emerald Empress. And I don't know that I have more to say than that, but I just want to say that, I guess. I agree. That's good. So, yeah. What about uh, you got anything else? Because I'm, I'm feeling pretty good i feel really good about this team yeah i like this i like this take i like this take on the suicide squad i like these guys as a group i think you know we asked the question how often do you stick with these and i think this is going to be one i stick with i think that they should hire us um i think they should write this team or like you know you don't have to pay us for it like honestly if they just show up in comics like listen we're not gonna it's fine like you just put them in your comics just just do this and also throw in Dr. Destiny. We're way too late in the episode for me to do anything with him, but he's one of my favorite villains. So I'm just going to shout out Dr. Destiny real quick. Love you, Dr. Destiny. Sick costume, sick power set. Let's do uh, one one fun fact apiece. Okay, so my dumb fun fact for the heckler is the, the issue, like, issue number 12, everything's a joke, and it's just about his origin story, is you do the thing where he's, like, performing stand-up, and it's like, oh, he's a failed comedian. And he goes, and right there, that's new exactly what I wanted to do. And someone heckles him, and it's just one of those, comedian destroys heckler. And he goes, and I realized I was on the wrong side of the mic. I just wanted to be an asshole forever. (laughs) I see him sewing a costume and just talking shit. Okay, Scandal Savage, she plays D&D. That's my fun fact for her. I feel like a lesbian in a polyamorous relationship. She probably plays Dungeons and Dragons. Sport- <laughs> Sportsmaster. <laughs> I have two for Sportsmaster. So Sportsmaster has that, like, conservative dad energy, but he's trying to get terms, and it's like, ah, you fucking God, you were born another time, but you're trying, Sportsmaster. We see you. And also, Sportsmaster, like, he's constantly trying to impress Heckler with his dad jokes. Does it work? I think it's a, a data from Star Trek thing where, like, he, he finally gets one, and he's like, oh, yeah, finally. Jesus. I did it. I can die happy. And then... Tsh- Sniped, he's taken out immediately because Suicide Squad reminds you that life isn't fair. Emerald Empress hates, she hates the color green. She fucking hates it. It's her least favorite color. She complains about it as soon as she comes out of the Emerald Empress form. That's such a good joke. The one thing Tar Pit likes about being a Tar Pit monster is he doesn't have to eat food. There's just a new way his body consorms and makes energy. And he's like, no, it's fucking rad, man. I don't have to worry about food. I don't get the munchies. Are you hungry at six o'clock in the morning? I'm not ever anymore. I'm eating right now. Clayf- this version of Clayface is like a thespian who cares and is constantly making like references to fucking like classic plays and we'll be like yeah i know why it's called an 11 o'clock number because by that time like watching the play it is 11 o'clock and the audience is getting a little tired and so you need something to pick them back up like he really cares about the yeah, yeah, art yeah, yeah, yeah. and he wants to talk about it uh deadshot's the best and he gets not a lot to do and in the letters page they're like why doesn't deadshot get a lot to do and you're like because he's deadshot and he's had the like you already know i don't need to do it he's just he rules bronze tiger Loves kung fu movies. Like, all of them. Even the bad ones. He just fucking loves it. Psycho Pirate. (laughs) I just... This one's stupid and it just came to me right now. Psycho Pirate doesn't know, but his ultimate enemy was always the Heckler. Because the Heckler has, like, a thousand troll accounts. And so, like, every time Psycho Pirate posts, there's just one specific troll. And and you constantly see the Heckler on his phone. And that's, like, the reveal. (laughs) 
<laughs> yep. Uh, Electra Natrix. Oh, I want to say she has a crush on, like, some superhero. I, I'm just going to say has a crush on some superhero, and some writer who isn't me will pick it. Um, didn't her partner just die? Yeah, but you can, like, it's, like, a bit before that. Like, she's like she's joking, like, ah, oh, when we get out of here, I'm going to leave you for X. And he's like, yeah, but we're villains. You can, that could never work. Whatever. It's Booster Gold. She wants to fuck Booster Gold. Electrocutioner has that, like, swashbuckler mustache, and he's so proud of it. He's so content with his swashbuckling mustache. All right, and those are my fun Incredible. facts. I think for my fun fact, I want there to be an initiative coming not from the squad, but from someone in charge, that there's this real push going for merchandising, trying to get Suicide Squad merchandise, and so, like... Someone's pushing all this merch on the team, and it's a running gag that all of the merch is terrible, but it keeps coming up in relative and helpful situations, but you don't want it to because, again, it is bad. I super love the idea that Amanda Waller's constantly like, we're a covert team. We cannot sell merch. And then Heckler walks in with like the fucking just horrible itchy T where like every letter is a different font in Suicide Squad. And he's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Um... <laughs> I lied to you. It's me again. Editing Devin. I am back. So here's the thing. The closer for this episode was bad that's not fair i'm just cranky it was fine good even it was just amber was being actively loud as opposed to her passively loud and i too was being loud and editing it was hurting my ears so i'm not going to pertinent information amber says this is one of her favorite episodes in a good long time it was a callback to Amber's cold open about the podcast being brought to you by God, but now it's a callback to the opening where I said you wouldn't hear from editing Devin again. Oh my God. Synchronicity. Ending bits. Join us next week when Devin tries in vain to get us to talk about professional wrestling, but we actually talk about Calvin and Hobbes in an episode that's normal. Not this format. Let me know down in the comments section if you like this format, because hopefully never have to do it again. I will try everything with my power to monetize our friendship. I had a good tie-in about how it's a futile quest, just like the Suicide Squad are trapped in a futile quest to exert control and autonomy over their lives while they are in a system that only seeks to use and abuse them. That's the episode. And play the play the outro music. Play it. Play it now. Talk me out. Episode's over. Goodbye. Go home, everyone.